Ooh, I'm the ghost. Of Wait a minute, it's after Halloween already, <laughs> isn't it? Well, sorry. I, did you know that I hadn't died? The last we um, we haven't talked. I thought that maybe that was your costume. You're going as dead shame. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe I'd be able to to hold it. You might think that I was that I was a ghost for a little while because I missed the show last week. Those of you that that listen, did you miss it, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, Kevin. Yes, sure. I'm looking at you when I say I missed the show last week, and he's nodding his head like, "Yeah, you idiot." I I know that. No, I, no, no. It was uh, well, and it was. Um, it was one of these deals where, uh, obviously, conspicuous by your absence, and then we tried to, and you'll have to go back and listen to it, but we tried to uh, surmise what you would say on a couple of occasions, so so that part's fun. Well, the but. reason it was conspicuous is because last week was my album pick. We, did, we had the three-album cycle, or normally on the show we, we pick an album that none of us know that well, but, but we specifically chose for three weeks to pick an album that w- at least one of us knew really, really well. And my pick last week was My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. And then I wasn't here to do my own fucking record. It was shameless. We were shameless for Loveless. That's, or. That's, that sort of sounds like a, like if Garth Brooks did a, like, Baby, I'm shameless. <laughs> and, like, did his own version of, of Loveless, which would be amazing. Well, right, and it would buy him a boat, but that's not what's happening here tonight. I don't know that it would buy him anything. It would buy me a boner to hear Garth Brooks do My Bloody Valentine. Anyway, we'll get off. So how did it go last week? Because I specifically have not listened to the show yet, and I haven't talked to you about it because... You wanted to come in with fresh ears. Which yeah, makes sense. sure. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great. Uh, we, had a, we had a good time. Uh, of course, Ryan and I are, are uh, grizzled veterans at this stage, but um, we were joined by our friend Phil last week who... Um, was really interesting. It, it was. I'll, I will tell you in all seriousness. One of the interesting things about having Phil sit in on a show that you missed is that you're both like pop rock songwriters. Like you like songs that are that have you know that have great lyrical content and that are sort of, for lack of a better term, like almost like interesting perfect circles. Like they don't they don't drag on. We, Concise. It, 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 well, yeah. Like yeah. Like uh, you know. Sort of uh, more more traditional than than a you know teeming miasma that goes on for as long as that record goes on. Fair, like, fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Well, but that song. I mean, it's it, you know, and I'll put in my two cents really quick, and we'll get we'll get to the. But, but you know what? Um, I don't need to put my two cents in about that. I do want to address this one thing, and those of you that listen to the show might might be noticing that right now, where you would normally hear Kevin's brother Ryan chiming in. He's not chiming in. No. I'm looking at an empty chair. No, he's not here. We don't know where he is. Yes, Ryan is uh, Ryan is off the reservation as it stands now. Usually I would think that that means that he's just decided that now is the time he's going to do his laundry. Or take a nap. Or take a nap. Uh, but no, no, that's not what's happening. He's not He's not here. Um, we've, we've been assured. Yeah. <laughs> we've stay posted. Yeah, a ru- the rumor is is that he'll be joining us in a little while. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but uh, but for now... It's Shane and I, and then uh, we teased this a little bit last week when uh, my friend Mark Cuvion stopped by and uh, told us which what we would be enduring this week, and uh, and so I would like to I would like before we get into whatever we're gonna listen to and talk about uh, this tonight, I wanted to welcome Mark. Mark Cuvion. Hi, thank you. I'm really really happy to be here. 
Uh, I'm happy to actually have a microphone this week. Yeah, uh, I know. I, I kind of had to sit here through the whole thing. He's and, like, I'm and so close. Keep my mouth shut. I had so many things to say about My Bloody Valentine and, and just had to kind of Well, you could say those this it. week if you wanted to. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure at some point I'm going to want to say something about it <laughs> in the middle of, of what we're going to be talking about. Because these they're really similar in terms of... They really quite. are, actually, yes. Yeah, yeah sprawling. Which, without uh, getting into all that stuff directly. Oh, God, I'm, you're going to make me oh, vomit. I, I do, do want to say this before you get started, Kevin. Um, uh, Mark, oh, I'm very happy for you that you're joining us in the garage um, in the beginning of November, when it's 72 degrees outside, rather than in the middle of July, when it was 103 degrees yeah, outside. We were all clearly, clearly, I orchestrated that, feigning my interest, we were, or we my were, disinterest, I should say, <laughs> yeah. in being a part of the, the podcast until now. We were all like an ant under a magnifying glass for like three months. Kevin like was, would get so sweaty, and he, would like, he, he wouldn't be able to sit down. Do you remember that? You yeah. would never sit down. You would always stand up because... It, there would be more air. Yeah, you just got to keep moving. And then, you know, other than that, you'd hate to sit down and, like, the, the pleather backing of this chair. You hear some weird right. sucking sound stuck to it. As, I, as I try to get up. But um, I do want to circle back to one thing before we uh, get to the theme music and the rest of the show. And that was, um, I meant to tell you this, and when we were talking a little bit about Halloween before we actually got started here, um, apparently... There is a there's a deal now where like one of the TV stations in town has like a heat map like uh, kind of like you know where, what you do like weather the, what patterns. the predator yeah. saw oh, <laughs> no. well no, no not 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 exact not that kind of heat map really not but, this kind of predators either but yeah it would be like it'd be like a like a storm uh, map that the weather team would show or whatever but it was it was all the neighborhoods that give out the most candy yeah and and our neighborhood was like. It was like if it would have been a weather map, it would have been like get to the basement. Like it was that bad. Like it was all solid red. And then we and so we took my four year old and we walked up and down the street on you know on for a couple of blocks and uh, literally it was entire families like just sitting out on their porch and giving out way too wow. much candy to my kid. Well, like, yeah, there, there's I'm actually a, there actually are uh, mobile apps for that as well. That all right, that you can track. The, and they're they're they're, crowds, they're crowdsourced. So yeah. as people are going around, they're basically putting in the information about the candy that they're getting at houses. And that is and so nerdy. That, all this data. That's yeah. what you say. I choose to think it's that is a direct real world application of the NSA spying on all of us. Oh my god! And, and with that, and with that, let's go to the theme music. I am Shane. <laughs> I'm Kevin. And I'm Mark. And this is somebody likes it. Welcome back to Somebody Likes It, and uh, let me just share a little nugget from um, from a review that I found about the record that we're going to cover tonight before we get into what this record is. And I and bear in mind, like I know that if you're seeing the posted podcast, you know what it's you know what the record is that we're covering. But for the sake of drama, we won't mention it just yet. Uh, this is a piece that showed up in Consequence of Sound on a reissue of this record, and uh, this is what they said. Fifth highest selling album of all time. Over 43 million copies sold worldwide. 12 times platinum in the U.S. alone. 
an average of 200,000 copies sold each year to this day, topped the UK charts for 474 weeks. The musicians and performers on the record include Roy, Roy Baton, Max Weinberg, Todd Rundgren, Rundgren, who also produced the record, Phil Rizzuto, the famed New York Yankees baseball announcer, and members of the New York and, Phil- and Philadelphia Symphony. Can you guess the album? Dark Side of the Moon? Nope. Back in Black? Nope. Blonde on Blonde? Still nope. Born to Run? Close. Eagles Greatest Hits? Not a Chance? Answer? Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. And oh, unbelievable! Isn't that I do like staggering? That, I do like that. Born to Run was close. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And Mark, you um, you selected this method of torture. So you I know, did. Tell yeah. us, uh, you know. Well, I think that 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 uh, that review right there actually kind of sums up why I selected this because um, I knew the the commercial success of this album, um, and uh, it was one that I've just I've never really understood. Um, I've never understood why it was so successful, uh, and so you're it not kinda, the only one. It kind of really fit in to me the the the, the theme. Um, you know, obviously somebody likes it. There are a lot of people like it, or maybe they don't, and that's hopefully what we'll get into tonight. So they're buying it out of spite. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just raising my hand to say I I don't. Yeah, right. No, I don't. Well, I I somehow slipped into the cracks. I had never heard one, even one of these songs before. Yeah. Somehow, um, except recently I had, and we'll talk about this in a little while later. I I had heard what was the damn song with the play by play Paradise by the Dashboard Light, yeah, yeah. which is one of the softball cheesiest <laughs> no song titles and i mean cu- roll your eye. that's this is what jim this is something um that i read uh when i was researching and i say that that word loosely <laughs> uh this album is uh todd rungren who produced the album and, and i know mark you want to talk a little bit about this later but um todd rungren was quoted uh saying that um that steinman um Oh, here, where is that quote? And we should we should mention who Steinman is. Oh, Jim Steinman. Yeah, so basically this album, um, though it's sung by Meatloaf, the songs were all written by Jim Steinman, who later went on and had crazy big hits also with Celine Dion and... Um, bon- like an Air bon- Supply. Air Bonnie Supply, Tyler, Bonnie Air Tyler, Tyler yeah. right. Um, which I love um, Totally Close of the Heart so much that it almost makes up... <laughs> Oh, n- you know what? No, it doesn't. Can't you hear it? it, it, it like his version of oh, it? Oh, completely. Like, yeah. Once I knew he wrote Totally Clips, and I, by the way, had never heard a Meat Love song before ever until today, except I would do anything for love off of Bad Out of Hell too. But so anyway, so Todd Rundgren, uh, we were just talking about Paradise by the Dashboard Light, and Rundgren was saying Jim would always come up with. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. This is his manager. Uh, David Sonnenberg would say Jim would always come up with these great titles and then he would try to write a song that would justify the greatness of the title. Sorry, Paradise by the Dashboard Light is not a great title. It's <laughs> sophomoric and cliche. A bat out of hell is not a great. It's a fucking. These, these are. You took the words right out of my mouth. All revved up with no place to go. Two well, out of three ain't that, bad. The thing I, that really blows me away about these songs, too, is that they're adapted from songs that he wrote for. An adaptation of Neverland. Yeah, fucking Peter Pan. Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. And they, they're about, like, hanging out in the backseat of a car with a girl. It's pretty fucking Peter Pan if you think about it in certain ways. Well, you know, like, obviously, this this guy's view towards sexuality and women is 
pretty Peter Pan, but I mean that's a whole other discussion. I think there are a few things that I just find really amusing about this record, not the least of which is like the juxtaposition of some of this like okay, weird Peter Pan uh musical uh the musicology of the the record itself, you know, juxtaposed with the Dio like cover <laughs> that's there. Yes. It's like you look at that cover and you think well, is this this, this record is going to be probably the album is going to rock my ass off. That's yeah. what you think. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. you'll be like, I'm going to have to get a new ass after this is over. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Because no, there, there, there is there is something that Rundgren said, and it's not a direct quote here in this article, but uh, uh, speaking of paradise again, um, how he uh, Rundgren jokes that he can't imagine Steinman being at a lakeside with the most beautiful girl in school, but he can't imagine Steinman imagining it. So I think that, that that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, like it is. It, it's a it is. It's a degree. It's a level removed from reality, and that sounds about accurate. Well, like, but right. al- but also there's something to be said that he says about the m- most beautiful girl in school. I mean, it's sub. It, it, it's almost prepubescent in certain. It it it, it it's definitely not uh, a guy with a healthy, functioning adult sense of relation it's Libido. a guy pining yeah. on his on it's like the wonder it's like kevin from the wonder years pining about winnie and then writing sexually explicit songs about well, it yeah. in his 40s yeah and it, and it's it's all <laughs> just well and, it, and it's sexual super. conquest too isn't it it's not really it's not really there, there is no maturity there because i mean it's you know he, basically he wants to he wants to just uh, you know, bang this girl, and she's like, you know, well, you're gonna still love me forever, and he's, well, let me sleep on it, you know. I mean, it's, he clearly he's not. Uh, th- there, there's, there's no relationship building thing. There's not a lot of maturity. Here. The, the, it, it, Jim Steinman right now, it, it, thank God for him having sold the amount of records he sold. Thank God for him that he was in his mid twenties in the late seventies rather than in now because he would have channeled all of his thoughts and feelings toward his unrequited loves into trolling on the internet instead of writing these like grease uh, knockoff yeah. songs. That that's a good idea. I mean good Big point. Because yeah. let's this is one step away from Tell me more, tell me more, uh, tell me good. more, tell me more. That probably explains. Well and it, and it is like and, and mo- most of his success was writing more of those Broadway type of of musical hits. Part of that was Meat Love though too. I mean he he was in hair, I'm pretty sure. He was in hair. Yeah. yeah. Um he uh he has you know, he has no absolutely no range as a vocalist. It's all bombast all the time. Like crank it up. These guys were a match made in heaven. I let me let me. I, I have a lot to say about this record, but let me. I think I've alluded to this so far, but I just want to just make make sure you guys really know how I feel about this record. I hate this album more than anything I've ever listened. It combines everything. It's it's sort of like the it's sort of oh, like if the devil this warms my would heart. come and oh I knew it would and I, I've been waiting when, when I was I was talking to a friend of mine today and I, and he knows I do the the show on um, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news. Ryan has emerged we, from the cave. We have a Ryan. Ryan side. has emerged. Ryan, how do you feel? We're on the scene with Ryan. Well rested. <laughs> he has, in fact, <laughs> taken the nap that we posited he might have taken. <laughs> the 27-hour, uh, you know, 
I, this is the thing. is like Ryan is unaffected by the time change in a way that no one else is. <laughs> like you, you gain tra- an hour every day, savings. and it makes no difference whatsoever. He's, a, like, he's also <laughs> he's walked in calmly, placed his sustenance in a circle. Jack Link's beef jerky, New Amsterdam vodka, and a bottle of squirt. It's nice I'm to see set. you went with the. We're uh, ready to yeah. party, boys. Well, you went with uh, the name brand jerky this week. You were, uh, you were on yeah, the... I didn't have time to get by H-E-B, so All I right. had to, to go to my local corner store. Well, nice. hey, listen, why don't we go ahead, because I was just about to ramp shit up even more. Why don't we go ahead and play a clip? We'll check in with Ryan, and right. then and we'll uh, return. So uh, maybe a little bit of the, the, the title track? Yeah, let's uh, let's move into the title track a, a little bit. Turn and we'll out play of hell. I see you're on the same page with us. He doesn't need to be ramped up at all. (laughs) All right, this is going to be bad out of hell. Here we go. I will say that when I first started listening to this, uh, that first 15 seconds or so, I was like, wait a second, this may not be too bad. Uh, I had never really listened to this album from the beginning, and I started to kind of hear some some tings of maybe some prog rock going on in there. Uh, But then I soon realized, uh, much like the other six songs on this album, this first song is basically just a really bad run-on sentence that... It just switches directions back and forth. <laughs> never ends. It just beats you into submission. No, none of them never end. They're all like eight minutes long, ten, twelve say, minutes long. Yeah, like, I was like, I was getting ready to listen to this for record. I'm like, oh, it's only seven uh, songs long. Like, all right, like and then <laughs> forty, <laughs> no, <nope. laughs> forty six <laughs> and a half Rapping. minutes of pure hell. Uh, and night, it's nightmare. It, it is and a that's bad why, hell. That's got to be why it is at every single. Uh, photo you see of meatloaf he's in that sweaty tux like you just feel like he just he got on stage and at some point he thought it might go well and then he's like halfway through he's like these songs aren't anywhere close to being done so yeah well apparently a lot of fucking people thought they were um done because over 40 i can't even say it i I can't i can't here's a here's another little piece from this av club article that i think is pretty great he says this guy says here's what's awesome about bad out of hell it comes from the age of the mega album where nearly every year saw the release of a frampton comes alive level blockbuster that the buying public simply had to own bad out of hell is so stubbornly offbeat that it had no business selling 43 million copies well, worldwide. see here and here's the thing like i feel like and i i think that some of the quotes from rungrid would maybe back this up this was just 
this was one giant joke. Th- this thing was really just somebody yeah. was trying to pull a fast one over on the music industry. I, I think no, I, mean, I, th- I I think that Rundgren thought that. See, I, I there's no way that you pay attention to Meatloaf at all and have any even just a pass. And by the way, you guys know he lives in Austin, don't you? I know that oh, he bought God. a place in Austin yeah, a couple of years he, ago. I didn't yeah, know. We he, should yeah, have invited him. Over. He's been living here at least part time, at least half the year for the last few years. Um, I hope I run into him any day now. I can ask him to sing me a song on the street. I'm sure he, both he and I, would love that. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I think Rundgren definitely knew that there were, or thought it was a joke, thought it was hilarious. I mean, yeah, I mean, he said as much. He said, if this isn't a joke, it should be, because it's just... It's and then you have people like Max Weinberg that that jump in on this project. All these really great musicians come in, and I feel like it it just became kind of this wave of buy-in, almost like a hipster... Mo- movement well, or something where I don't know if what you guys have discussed just yet as I was a little bit late but they're show tunes it's, oh it's high school musical that's yeah. what I, that's, it, yeah. exactly that, that, yeah. that's what that's what I was saying be, right before you got here um it combines this is how much I hate this album it's everything by the way I genuinely now believe that the genre of punk rock was directly created in 1977 and the few years before to combat the this forces kind of, of evil, steaming pile of oh, sure. festering it's shit. It's so so bad. It's it's um, it sounds like it to me. It, it sort of outtakes from from Godspell, like from a <laughs> high school version of Godspell. And I also like the the worst parts about Greece. And don't get me wrong, in my opinion, all of Greece. Is everything bad. about Greece is <laughs> wrong. The worst it's, part, all of it. All of it. There's <laughs> yeah. not. There's not one. It's so. Nail, it's it. Uh, I can't even talk. It's like nails on a chalkboard. It's like if the entire world's nails went down a chalkboard at the same time. That's how I feel when I listen to the. Tell me more. Yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. You and I are on the same page, brother. I, okay, so you. so combine that with like bullshit backdoor prog rock, but mostly bullshit high school rejected musicals by Corky St. Clair. Um, you I don't know, know who that is. Yeah, uh, Waiting for Guffman. Waiting for Guffman. Oh, yeah. It's Christopher okay. Guessing, Waiting for Guffman, directed by Corky St. Clair. And then you've got classic, like the worst of classic rock. Sorry, to Mark, you mentioned Kansas, but Kansas falls dead in the middle of shit that fucking sucks from that <laughs> decade. And combine it all Kansas in this one. Kansas sucks, but it's genius-level shit compared to this. You like, gotta understand. I grew, in the I grew up all on night that long. Shit no, 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 no. That's a good sum, but that's an outlier. But, but yes, you're right. I mean, uh, it is. I mean, compared to this, is unlistenable, and it says so much. I want to say it says so much about the about the about the taste of of the American buying public that it sells still to this day sells two hundred thousand copies a month, a year, a year. Okay, and the, well, and the deal is is like apparently it's. It not only topped the UK charts for for that long, whatever it was, two hundred and some odd weeks, but it's never left. It's still on the UK charts, apparently. Apparently. Well, I mean, to its credit or not credit, you don't got to sell a whole hell of a lot to be on the UK charts. But uh, let me ask you some, this question: which is more than maybe this is <laughs> more than <laughs> is warranted? Shane, more, are you on the UK case. charts? No. G- g- no, and it and it's that's not sour grapes, Mark. That's not sour grapes that Meatloaf has been on the UK charts for thirty three years. So, or so I don't know if you guys did any research into like the process of how this record came to be. Some, but yeah. they recorded it first, uh, and then shopped it around a lot, and it <laughs> well, got rejected yeah. a lot. Yeah, but that's but true. One important point about that that they went to Rundgren 
and basically told him that they already had a deal. They, right, right, yeah. They, they basically oh, they lied about they it. They lied yeah. about it, got him to get on board. He fronted most of the money, and then he paid had— for the record himself, he, yeah. Yeah, he paid for it, and then, and then once it, it was wasn't until can, he was it a— got yeah. rejected again. Right. A lot. Right. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, uh, Mark, I think you mentioned that you have seen the quote from um, Clive Davis, legendary yeah. record executive Clive Davis. Um and you know what? Like, if I were Clive Davis and I rejected this record and it still went on to sell 43 million copies, I think I'd still be proud of myself for rejecting this record. Because, um, Shane, go ahead and read what well, Mr. Davis had to say about it. Have I had it pulled up, too, yeah. Do you know how to write a song? Do you know anything about writing? If you're going to write for records, it goes like this, A, B, C, B, C, C. I don't know what you're doing. You're doing A, D, F, G, B, D, C. You don't know how to write a song. Have you ever listened to pop music? Have you ever heard any rock and roll music? You should go downstairs when you leave here and buy some rock and roll records. <laughs> and apparently, apparently as, 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 as they're walking down the street, the, the singer, as clever as ever, Meat Love screams out, Fuck you, Clive! Whoa! What Whoa. a diss! <laughs> clever. But you know what? He did get the he did get the last word on that. I will say. You know why he got the last word? For the same reason that Walker the Texas Ranger was on the air for eight fucking seasons. That's that never underestimate the lack of taste. Well, what's the P.T. Barnum quote? Uh, nobody ever went broke underestimating the uh, the intelligence of the American public. Yeah, there you. That's completely. There's the summation of that. Yeah, and that really. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, you you look at. You look at the popularity of piano bars. I mean, we have a couple here in Austin, and people go in Whole and they house, they, uh, they will pack the place. They will spend thousands and thousands of dollars a night on liquor, listening to some guy play really campy show tunes, and they'll sing along. It's true. It's true. What is that though? I mean, I don't get it. In any like, I, I don't I don't get the Billy Joel stuff. I don't. Well, and we talked a little bit about this when my when my friend Jeff was in town because he used to manage a <laughs> piano bar for a number of years. And one of the things that he did, it's worth bringing up again, was like after those songs drove him crazy for a little while, he went out and bought all the originals. He bought Billy Joel. He bought Elton John. And he was like, okay, I need to like reconnect with why it is people give a shit about this music in the first place. And that worked for like a few weeks. Right, and, and then, then he went away. And, and then he went out and bought like, that out of hell and couldn't yeah, figure it out. So, anyway, but I do think that, like, you know, the part of the backstory of this record Ryan touched on, and another part is, like, it was born a little bit, not not a little bit, out of the New York theater scene, and you can certainly hear that in the way that it comes That's together. all it sounds That's like. That's all it, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It just sounds like, uh, you know, what do they call them, uh, original cast recording of whatever the <laughs> fuck show this is. <laughs> all, all in my notes, I wrote so many notes um, about how it just sounds like, Regional theater, high school musicals. I uh, did ooh. find I did find it kind of interesting that uh, that one of the backup singers was the um, had the original uh, Marky Post role in right. Um, yeah, uh, Ellen Foley. Night Court. Night Court. Ellen Foley really? was on Night Court. Yeah, she, uh, was, she was she, in the, the the first just the first season. She was the first. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I re- whatever her name was. Very interesting. Marky Post role. Yes, interesting. She was the woman that sang on. Paradise. Paradise, yeah. She she does the duet on Paradise. She also describes this album as prepudescent sexual mentality, which nail on the head. What? <laughs> hit, hit, hit the nail. <laughs> yes, if, if your idea of 
uh, tongue-in-cheek winking uh, humor is Paradise by the Dashboard Light. But it's the... it's and, There's and, so much subtlety in that. But that's not really <laughs> even the least subtle part of the song. The least subtle part of the song is it's the literal baseball interpretation yes. of getting to second base, yes. getting to third base. Like... It's, it's I so can feel you know what I can feel you blush I can see you blushing and feel myself blushing at how embarrassed we are both of us are embarrassed about this shitty fucking record there's a <laughs> there's a um, there's a Reese Witherspoon role where uh, they what God I wish I, now I'm not gonna be able to remember what the name of the film was but basically the premise of the movie is there's a guy and there's the guy that stars in the movie looks exactly like Brit Daniel, which is also funny. But <laughs> but the deal is is that he's special needs and she's his she's a sorority girl and she ends up falling for him and so it's this and Francis Ford Coppola directed it like it's great and it's really um pumpkin. That's what it's oh, called. Oh, that's not Reese Witherspoon, that's uh oh, Christina Christina. Christina Ricci, Ricci. Yeah. that's who it is. Anyway, yeah, she falls in love with she a. She falls in love, but the yeah. but the best part of the movie, and this mentally is mentally challenged individual. Yes, uh, um, the best part of the, the film, and this is what made me think about it, is like she goes to see like a school counselor, and she's like she's like, well, what would you say? The guy's like, you can tell me anything that you want to say, like this is a you know this is a safe place for you, and she goes, well, what would you say if I told you that? I'd fallen for the boy, you know. I think I'm falling in love with the boy, the special needs boy that I'm that I'm helping as part of this charity. And uh, he goes, "Okay." And she goes, "She said he's retarded." And the guy goes, "Well, when you say retarded, what do you mean?" And she goes, "Retarded, retarded." <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I feel about this record. <laughs> like, it's it's like, retarded, retarded. And, and there's no like. And it's there's not no, so like, bad that it's good. No, well, it's so yeah. bad that it's just fucking bad. Like, bad. Yeah. Like, okay, so one, oh, go ahead, Mark. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, in the middle of Paradise by the Dashboard Light, there, there's this little interlude that comes in, and Phil Rizzuto starts doing this play-by-play, as you mentioned. Kind of this literal interpretation of well, the he, he he called he r- did radio calling for the Yankees for he did right years and years and yeah. so he was an actual play-by-play guy yeah so and an actual baseball player before that still bad <laughs> <laughs> oh no I Chain wasn't is, defending Chain it no you're looking at me because you know I like baseball no I was just pointing out but for those of us that are my are, point was that that for years and years and I don't know if this was up until he I think he he passed away in 2007 he was. A hundred years old, almost, and and but he denied knowing that this this song was about sex, like he was adamant about it, and that's like, great. And <laughs> you know he he was uh, he was How fairly he was fairly active in the Catholic ass. Church in his community. There's and no fucking way he didn't know that. He had to have known. I mean, uh, unless he was completely isolated from the whole thing. But the the point is that. The guy, w- I think he was genuinely embarrassed to have even been a part of it once he realized what it really was. I can, I'm looking yeah. at uh, the, the Wikipedia page for this uh, record and Kerrang! magazine. Uh, I guess that's a. Uh, oh, yeah. It was like a British heavy metal magazine. Right. They named this album number 38 among the 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time. It's. Where's the metal? Yeah. Wh- what? What? Fucking show me one metal note on this entire goddamn record. I mean, the cover looks kind of metalish, but like we talked about, we talked about that when you weren't here. I, I think, um, and this is the other day I was listening to um, 
to a Def Leppard song was just on the radio. And I was like, I remember when this band was considered heavy metal. I think what we used to think was heavy metal diverged from what we actually consider heavy metal today when Metallica and its ilk came along. Because before, I think, it had nothing to do with the the music. It was more of the bluster and the posturing and the costuming. That's my that that's Maybe. a whole other it discussion. Was theatrical, theatrical. No, no, no. But that's my. I mean, if you think if you think about like the the hardness of of, of bands like Slayer and Metallica. I mean, this is definitely a, a divergence from. I mean, in the eighties, bands like do you would you ever consider Def Leppard to be a metal band? I mean, they're metal ish. It's pop metal. It's it's pop music. I mean, the guy's got a growly voice, but that's it. I mean, this guy. It's. I think it's all about. It's the artifice. It's that that matters more than the music, predating when you see that divergence in the in the in the lineage. Let me share one more little nugget. Same same AV Club review um, mentions uh, Robert Criscow, who we talked about a little bit a week before last, and says in his C minus review of the finished album, <laughs> Robert Criscow writes, occasionally it seems. That horrified, contemptuous laughter is exactly the reaction this production team intends, and it's even possible that 2% of the audience will get the joke. But the basic effect is grotesquely grandiose. Bruce Springsteen, beware. This is what you've wrought, and it could happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you know, I mean, the thing is, is, like, when we won't go down the rabbit hole on this, like, I don't totally get Springsteen. Like, I just don't. The way that, like, there's some sort of, like, secret passage that everybody in the East Coast gets that I don't that I don't get but um but it does seem like there is some sort of over the top there's an over the topness to this record that is not dissimilar to some things that well, that that have been done by other artists. Well Kevin did I, not did necessarily I, did I ever tell you about when I saw Bruce Springsteen in concert? No, what happened? It was totally on accident. Um, and it was four <laughs> my, hours. You, my, just, my you stumbled on a place. Well sort of my ex girlfriend uh, won tickets off the radio and you know, neither one of us were like big Bruce Springsteen fans, but we're like, screw it, we'll check it out, whatever. That was a whole giant production. Like they might as well just call the thing Bruce. <laughs> um, it was highly choreographed. Uh, it had he had like a dozen people on stage. Uh, you know, there was a lot of running around. I mean, it was a whole thing. It was a weird subculture that I didn't know existed, and it was a lot more theatrical than what we typically think of as Bruce Springsteen being this you know kind of heartland. You know, man of the people, gritty rock music, or whatever. Well, maybe it was, yeah, this is when he had like production. Clarence Clemens, like the right. enormous still in the band, yeah, sax player, like on with, this mortal. And club. you ex- you expected him to come out with an acoustic guitar, a handkerchief in his I back mean, pocket. Yeah, well, his persona, at least as far as I knew, was kind of you know he was this. Hey man, I'm Bruce Springsteen. It's just me and a guitar, and you know, I got my backing band, and we're just, we're like a bar band, but we're big and famous now. But like, no, it was a giant production. I don't really, see, but I don't. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that uh, it makes more sense to me now. When I was reading uh, the comparisons about this record to like Bruce Springsteen, I was like, I don't really get a lot of that. I mean, Bruce Springsteen wrote songs. Now, granted, I'm I'm not that into his songs, most of them, but I. They don't meander in, you know, a bunch of different directions and go on for days and it, it, make me want to, like, you know, put the only uh, thing, meat cleavers in my ear. The only thing that sounds similar to me is the sound of the piano, 
and no coincidence because it was Springsteen's piano player playing on this. Otherwise, I don't see how you could draw any remote comparison, and I can't stand Springsteen stuff either, but but I can respect it. This shit is just a fucking cesspool of nonsense. I don't respect <laughs> it in any fucking way at all. It is, I have to say, it is fun, If I to break the fourth wall for a second, it is fun to beat an album like a pinata and this <laughs> this this one deserves it yeah if, well, if, no, if nothing I, else having suggested this album i i am thrilled to see that shane is not holding back at all uh, pshaw yeah mark goes hey if if i suggest this record do you think it'll rub everybody the wrong way and i was like i kind of hope so <laughs> like, um so we're 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 actually a little bit over on time yeah, for, let's, let's, let's listen to should, a song let's let's we were talking about paradise by the dashboard light well there's no way to even explain. It's like 18 minutes. It's like a three-part. There's three movements in the song. Yeah. So It'll I really piss Clive Davis off. Four movements as well if you count should've. the one that I had. All right. Well, yeah, I was about to make that same joke, Mark. Thanks. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Take that shit on the road. No pun intended. All right. <laughs> All right. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Here we go. Oh, it's So we talked a lot about the sort of theatrical uh, thing that's going on here and how pervasive it is and wh- why, and those reasons should be pretty obvious. But um, one of the reasons that I think this record ended up taking off the way they did in terms of sales... Please tell me. ...was because uh, Homeboy managed to talk uh, managed to talk the folks that did Rocky Horror Picture Show into using this as a trailer... That would run before that's that right. movie. Oh my God! That's well, like specifically, I think one of the, the, the video, Paradise. the video for Paradise, yeah. was a trailer for Rocky Horror the movie. Yeah. So anyway, well, well and musically it fits squarely in that camp, and I do mean camp. In I was going to say, like, good yeah. job, Ryan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway, for whatever that's worth, I mean, I do feel like because that that movie went on to have this sort of weird cult status, uh, staying power. Like, I don't necessarily know that that trailer goes with it everywhere all the time, forever, but it probably didn't hurt. Well, I do feel like that, that movie, at least, people were watching that with a wink and a nudge. You know, like, kind of, they were watching it in an over-the-top way, and I don't 
I don't know if I mean I feel like some people genuinely like this record. Yeah, and there's something wrong with How? it. How? That's, <laughs> that's what I don't understand. That's why I, think I don't. That this is it. a big joke because because there is that there is that tongue in cheek that goes along with Rocky Horror. Is this a joke? Is um, this <laughs> and I, I just feel like this this was a joke until some people started to think that this was you had to be cool and you had to like this album in I, order to be cool. I don't know. I can't tell if it's a joke at all, but I will say this: like joke records don't sell forty three million fucking albums. Somebody was buying this earnestly. Yeah, a lot of people were buying it earnestly. I, I think in the beginning, I think you got kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think a lot of people thought it was jokey, but um, but but you also here's another thing like a, like a, one of the cardinal rules about a novelty song: get in and get out. It's very brief. These songs are like nine minutes fucking long. If they're supposed yeah. to be joke songs, like these guys, can you imagine a fucking comedian that goes up to the mic? Starts to tell you a joke, meanders for about nine minutes, doesn't tell you a punchline, and then goes and to the next, the next joke. joke. Yeah. And that goes for nine minutes. That's essentially what this album is, if it's a joke album. I, I want to know if anyone else at any point... Are there this many masochists in the world? Basically visualize Maybe. Jack Black doing a cover of this entire album. Um, I'd rather fucking kill myself. But, but, but that but, sounds about but see, right. That's, like, that's about how I saw it, was that... Like I just saw that this this maybe fueled Jack Black's entire character. I think there's pieces of that definitely. That I mean, the, uh, yeah, I do not like Tenacious D. I, I just enjoy you and it. I are exactly I, yeah. where Tenacious I like D was like funny my for five my music I was going to say yeah again, and that's the same thing. It's brevity. Like I mean, I think I think this. I'm I'm with you on that, Mark. Like yeah, there's there it it it's it's really funny to me in small doses, but the joke wears thin really quickly. And that's the same. That's the same thing. I want to point. I would point out if if one were to see this album as a novelty album, um, then three, like not three quarters of the way through, a third of the way through the first fucking song, um, you would. It's no longer fun. Like the joke's over. Can I just say that uh, that speaking of uh, actors that sort of work a lot like, or have personas that are not unlike Jack Black, um, Jack Webb. Uh, Allison, my wife does a uh, does a really great uh, impersonation of a director uh, giving John Lithgow uh, <laughs> stage directions, and it goes like this: uh, "Can you bring it up a notch? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I need more obnoxia." <laughs> so, but, but there there are there are people who like sort of live in that that camp to use uh, to circle back to what Ryan said and. Um, this is nothing if not campy. That's true. I just can't figure out if it's intentionally campy or no, not. No, there's no way it's intentionally campy. That's the thing that I'm saying. Yeah. If it were intentionally campy, it wouldn't be as long as it is. Self-indulgence comes with, like, the length, the longer the song, the the more likely you are to be incredibly self-indulgent. And the more self-indulgent you are, the more seriously you take yourself. And the more seriously you take I yourself. I genuinely thought this shit was deep. Dude, they fucking shopped this shit for two years. <clears throat> you don't do that. You, if you're a comedian or if you're doing something, like, you fucking retool what you're doing. They took the, they thought these songs were so goddamn good. They dealt with rejection for two years. What pisses me off is that they everything ended up being, about it. Well, what pisses me off, they ended up being redeemed. 
You know, you'd like to think there's some justice in the world. <laughs> well, there's there's more to say, but I th- we're we're running a little bit long, and I do think we got to get to the um, to our intermission uh, segment, single. which is also also called um, a, few a few minutes with. with. God, why am I forgetting that? Um, all right, and uh, and we won't tell you what it's going to be, but again, it'll be a little bit of a departure. Coming up, a few minutes with. Out of my life, Billy Ocean. Um, wait, wait, no, I'm sorry, Shane. What was that? Get out of my dreams, comma. Get into my get car. Get into my car. We have we have just watched the evidently innovative for its time video for uh, said atrocity. There were car. It was cartoon mm-hmm. mixed with live action. With live action. I don't oh, even cartoons. Know where to start on that video? That video was phenomenal for for. Some pretty interesting reasons. It was phenomenal, and for the way that it not only there was no narrative sense being made, but it just kept ratcheting up the nonsense factor. They well, first, yeah. no, I felt like I got like dosed with acid, and like here, watch this. <laughs> well, the, the first thing that I know, let's just let's just be direct and say. That's maybe the most inefficient car wash I've ever seen. Certainly. Nobody, nobody was working at the car wash. No, no because, because there's right. fish all coming out of the. And what yeah. was it like a like a talking duck or something? Yeah, yeah hip hop so, so, talk, talking duck. I want to know how duck, the fish yes. got in the car with the windows rolled up, though. So, so the, basically, it kind of follows that '80s music video premise where it's like, yeah, there's there's a loose narrative that if you choose to like sort of follow that like, whatever that weird. Uh, I mean, they're the, cars, and they're, like, people getting into said well, cars. I don't, we're not going to debate out. whether the narrative is valid or not. Like, yeah. all I'm saying is, is, like, so so basically it looks like Billy Ocean has a nice car, and he decides to go through the car wash, and lo and behold, some girl who's clearly not working that day because she's got her pop collar on. No, 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 no. She, she was working. Yeah, that was the pop collar. She was wash. working, and then and then that all came off, and she was wearing, like, gold, but that's the gold lame, like, hammer yeah, pants. Yeah, yeah she, had, she, had the, she, she had the dress on underneath. She was, she was already wearing her evening wear under her work wear. And, well, most uh, of us do that, I yeah. think. Good. Well, and then, and then uh, the video goes on to show Billy Ocean going through the car wash several more times <laughs> in several different cars. That morph into but each other as he's going through the car wash. Yeah. Look, there, maybe it was a dream. There's nothing or a car. W- we've been talking this whole time about an album that there's nothing that's that's right with it. 
let's just talk about a song when there's nothing that's wrong with it. Get out of my dreams, get into my car. This is yeah. a catchy tune. I can't even think why. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's just common sense. You okay over there, Ryan? I am. I'm good. Okay, good. Too much pepper on the, the jerky. It's yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> 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 I quick, quickly summed it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Pepper on too much pepper on the jerky. jerky. Hey, let's play a little bit of the the song. <laughs> Ryan had too much pepper on the jerky. But he's gonna be okay. Yeah. Thank you. For We're that. just gonna try and break that. news. Keep that. <laughs> Let's play a little bit of the song. All right. This is gonna be a little bit of "Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car." I mean, yeah, it's it's stupid. The song is stupid, but it's a and it's and it's but it's funny. It, but it's in a snicker, snickering at him kind of funny, rather than a roll your eyes and want to slit your wrist and vomit constantly kind of funny, like the Meatloaf album. Uh, one thing I want to point out is that um, we were just talking about Def Leppard, um, the man, the myth that created both Def Leppard and Shania Twain was Mutt Lang, who also co-wrote and produced this song. Is that right? Didn't uh, see that coming, nope. did you? Nope. Neither did I. Mutt Lang co-wrote and produced Get Out of My, my dreams, dreams, Get Into My Car, which apparently was based on a line from a Ringo Starr song, which shows you what well, you heard that somewhere I, else? No, or I, you've heard I read the Ringo that Starr that was, song? No, I read that, there, that the inspiration was a Ringo Starr throwaway. I'm pretty sure that you never heard that Ringo Starr song because I don't think anybody post-Beatles has been really ponying up the re- the money to listen to Ringo Starr solo songs. He had a hit or two. Uh, Did he? Yeah, he had that Octopus's thing. Garden. It was like, you're 16, you're beautiful in your mind. That was a solo Ringo Starr hit. Creepy, but uh, a hit. Um, I didn't. That, I don't know cover, that I knew that was yeah, Ringo Starr. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had he had a hit. Well, um, the other th- the only other thing I want to see uh, uh, see we can I'd, I'd actually like to talk more about Ringo Starr at another date, but this song was featured in the movie License to Drive, which was famous primarily because it was a vehicle uh, for the two Corys. The two Corys, yes. yes. It was a vehicle for the two Corys. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you hear I said yeah. that? Yeah. We are all on tonight, by uh, the way. This is a giant metaphor for something. I just I just wonder this. Like, I, And Shane texted me that we were doing this song or whatever, and I just wrote back, I am baffled. By Billy Ocean. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't know who his demographic is. We're so I related. I don't <laughs> understand. Like, I, I've never heard anybody go like, you know, that Billy Ocean song's pretty good. Like, he, nobody even talks about it, and, and, and they don't really. He doesn't really inspire because like, hatred either. It's just you there. also weren't yeah. listening to Luther Vandross in the middle eighties. Yeah, but I've heard people. Like I've heard age. people moon or you know like you know, just. Like talk about Luther Vandross, like he was amazing. I've never heard anybody say anything like that about it Billy was, Ocean. It was, but he was a major recording artist. R and B radio staples at the time. It was not our demographic. Can we, I just? Can I? This is a, a slight departure, but on the subject of Luther Vandross, did you know that he was an early David Bowie backup singer? 
I did like, not know that. So there is some crossover appeal that, like, those guys are musicians first, and they really, like, get into, like, sort of, a, like, and, and Bowie was looking for a little bit of that sound on, on a different record. We won't sidebar on that for too long. But Bowie, I think like, he's a like, star maker. Yeah. Vandross, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Well. John Lennon played on Fame, landed that one. I, th- I think well, he was already pumped. famous. John Lennon. At that point, yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah, I think he oh, might. Sorry. Have been. Are you yeah. are you bringing the sarcasm? Can we go back to let's get out of here? Yeah. So <laughs> let's go talk about a pile of shit again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yay! No, yeah. I mean this has actually been uh, a, a relief. Like this Billy Ocean song is like fucking genius compared to this record. No, no, that's dude. <laughs> oh I'm so glad that you said that. I swear to God, I was thinking of when I was listening to this record. I wrote a note. Like I was, I was trying to be. Of course, trying to be funny when I picked this song, but I was trying to like like goad you guys. But after I was listening to Meatloaf, then I was thinking to myself like, "Oh my God, when we get to Billy Ocean, it's gonna be a breather." No, it's the eye of the hurricane. It's you know, it's the it's the ire of the hurricane. I didn't know. Well, the ire of what's got that hurricane? What's that jerky? Too much pepper, okay. apparently. So we're gonna, yeah. So let's bail out of this segment. We'll get back here in uh, just a second on the other side to uh, a little Break bit of Milo and bat out of hell. On a hot summer night. Would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Will he offer me his mouth? Yes. Will he offer me his teeth? Yes. Will he offer me his jaws? Yes. Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. Again, will he offer me his hunger? Yes. And will he starve without me? Yes. And does he love me? Yes. Yes. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. I bet you say that to all the boys. Clearly, uh, I think if we, we all had to pick the most cringeworthy moment in this whole album. Which is saying uh, a lot. We, we probably just heard it. But a, a very important uh, point about what we just listened to, uh, this is the the spoken word intro to You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth. Uh, again, a genius song title. <laughs> um, originally titled Hot Summer Night, which is kind of alluded to in the, the spoken word intro. But it was this spoken word intro that actually convinced uh, the founder of Cleveland Records, Steve Popovich, to sign this album. So this was the, these words were actually what finally got this album made. No bullshit. What got this album made is Steve Popovich, the owner of the of the record label, having done a shit ton of cocaine. I'm just speculating. There's no <laughs> way you listen to that fucking pile, that load of dog shit, and decide you want. I've got to sign them. Got to have them. Well, there was definitely cocaine involved. Where cocaine it's in the mid-70s. And, and going like, well, I could probably sell the name Todd Rundgren. Um, <laughs> okay, that, but that's a small part of it. I mean, we've all seen Scarface or Boogie Night. I mean, you know, like there was, no, there was, there was co- probably copious amounts of cocaine. It was the involved. mid-70s. Well, like, I like it. Uh, when I hear that, like all I thought was going to happen when I listened to it the first time was like, yeah. 
Will you offer your throat to the wolf and the three speed on the tree or whatever the fuck the rest of it says? And I just expected the like the other like the reaction to be like, "Are you high? Clearly, you're high. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard no, anybody say." No, it's just like, a, like, like a, it just like, sounds like a uh, stage production that you had to like you know get your immediate family to come to then they politely did <laughs> you're like you're like hey dude exit. hey dude would you come give me notes <laughs> yeah, so what'd you think what'd you think <laughs> oh it was good think, yeah it was good <laughs> I, I told you i know i told this on another podcast now but so i'll make it short but um when oh i think it might have been when jeff was here but the uh but when our friend james who we have, i have a buddy who uh curates a film festival and and uh we were college roommates and we used to go to uh he would take me to theater parties in college and i would occasionally bump my shin and go jesus christ and somebody would yell out superstar and it would become a thing and i was like get me the hell out of here here. like i can't i can't do this like this that feels like this crowd on this record. So, anyway. When, I, just a little side note. You said we were college roommates, but the way that you broke it up, it, I thought you said we were called true mates. And yeah. it took it took me that whole time to be like, <laughs> what mates, exactly man. did you do in college? Uh, like, uh, what? See, you made true mates? Yeah, He's a good dude. Don't, don't you, don't he you had a whole other life. life no, no, and, and, yeah. and there was nothing else that was, that was filtering into my brain other than trying to figure out what that term. Was it like an evangelical term? Was it like? <laughs> yes. Yes, I, 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 they they were like the wolf. We they, were called true oh, mates. They they had rings that they wore, and yes. <laughs> yes. So they they hungered. There was a short ceremony. If, uh, I, I don't know. Someone offered a throat. I don't, know yes. what, I don't know what that was. <laughs> throat of a wolf or something. Yeah. Anyway, but I think that like that when I listen to that opening montage, I'm like, this can't be for real. Like, there's just no way this could be for real, dude. When I was listening to this earlier, um, I when I got to this song. I um the the format that I was listening to it I thought that it might have gotten lost in a shuffle and I had to go back and make I was, sure it was still the record. and I was reading yeah. notes and writing notes as I was listening to it and I had to make sure that it was still on the album and I was like this can't be part of this and I had to go online look up the lyrics to the song and make sure that those were actually that that was actually the beginning of the song yeah it's so bad. It's bad, 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 bad. So let me. Can I? Can I? I'm just gonna break this up and say like I. I do. There's one interesting story that I think is redeeming about Meatloaf. No. That has, that has nothing to do with. Well, it maybe has a little bit to do. With the I've record, got one not, redeeming not, thing to say about Meatloaf, and it has nothing to do with music. Yeah. That um, it's delicious. <laughs> no, it, no, it's that, no. He played. I hope that okay, he played the Bob with the bitch tits in Fight Club, which uh, I know yeah. you don't love. Shane, it's a horrible, uh, overrated I, movie. I love that. I'm I love that movie, that and he's and he's great yeah. in it. God, we don't have a fucking movie podcast. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, um, that said, one thing that I thought was interesting was that, like, so, you know, I you hear the the largesse of how many units this sold and whatever. And we talked about that at the top of the podcast. So what that sort of immediately equates to for those of us like just lo- looking at those raw numbers are like, well, that guy's just got to print money. Like, they don't, they don't live like regular people anymore. Well, the fact of the matter is, well, he went broke. He went broke. And he went broke like a few records later. And, uh, and then he, like somewhere along the, I guess, several years later, Find, with a with a different release, started to gain a little bit of traction. And the way that he did it was he went back to playing small rooms, 
and then the small rooms got a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger. And anyway, he ended up playing uh, big shows again. But but I think that was not necessarily the interesting thing. The interesting thing was they were down. He was down enough on his luck that his wife learned how to be a travel agent, so she could save them money on the road. Like she learned how to like book shit because like this guy who had been playing arenas and did all that crazy Rocky Horror type stuff and it was in hair or like whatever the weird shenanigans were with his career like that's how much the bottom had fallen out of what he did and I thought that was like a really interesting human interest angle fine I begrudgingly give you that that's uh, that's yeah, pretty well, I mean, amazing. Screw her for trying to. No, 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 no! I said I begrudgingly give you. Man has a thrifty wife. That's like, that's that's, that's pretty a, awesome. That's a slightly redeeming thing well, to say. You know? I think can, can we can we point out that part of the reason that he hit bottom yeah. was because he and Jim, Jim Steinem started suing each other. Yep. Back and forth. And he. Well, and I don't he know if you guys have brought this up, but like like Meatloaf himself didn't write any of this shit. Well, no, and he exactly. he admits by his own admission he's a bad songwriter. He's so. a bad singer. Yeah. He has no range. He's a bad actor. <laughs> Is he a bad actor? I, I liked him in Fight Club. I, he was I, the I, worst I part about that. Fight Club, uh, and that's a I movie enjoyed, I can't stand. I enjoyed Fight it's Club. It's over-the-top, heavy-handed, and he is the most heavy-handed, over-the-top part of it. Well, so, good thing we're not here to talk about Fight Club. Yes, yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have a movie podcast, as somebody once said. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that was me. Anyway, um... But I, I just did. I thought that that was a that is a non rock star angle to like, to somebody actually trying to figure out how to come back from like to try and get back to this ridiculous place, which they like. Well, fortunately, yeah. if you've sold forty three million records, it's easier to get to that place than if you. Uh, if you sold forty three million records, the it's gonna come back, or the brass ring is gonna come back. At around some point, at you're some gonna point. get back to financial solvency. Yeah, it's gonna happen again. It's gonna come <laughs> back around. Anyway, a little Not, bit of, ninth. What uh, was it? Ninth best-selling artist of all yeah. time. Something like that. You're gonna, you're gonna make your money back. You're gonna um, be fine, dude. And interesting little Texas angle on this for anybody who's interested in this kind of thing. He's another UNT guy. Uh, University did, of North Texas. Yeah. So that's uh, most of Letterman's band. That is uh, Nora Jones. Like there, there's like there's a crazy music legacy Univ- for that yeah, school. Yeah, they're, they're, they're known for their music program. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but you know, I like I I really tried to look for some things that I thought were positive takeaways from you found one. I knew. You found and, one. And, and you his know. wife became a travel agent to help him book shows. Yeah. Well, I just I th- I thought that that was a like a little bit of a sweet backstory that kind of is not the thing that anybody talks about. Well, I mean, I don't wish the guy an unhappy marriage. I just wish he'd stop making music. <laughs> well, then he did Bad Out of Hell too, which we Bad all know I would three. do anything Bad for out love. Of Heller. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. and bat out of harder. Electric battaloo. Yeah. <laughs> I still know what you bat out of hell last summer. There, <laughs> there are two things in, in reading all of the the research that I did um, that I, I really was thankful for, and that is uh, "Total Eclipse of the Heart" and "Making Love Out of Nothing at All." Two songs that, thankfully, Meatloaf did not record. And was it a? I mean. And maybe Shane, Ryan, maybe you guys know better than I do. Like, was this a Bernie Taupin, Elton John type relationship? Like, in no, the, in that sense, no. Like, it sounds no, like no, no. I think they like worked. I think they worked together on it, but pretty much, Homeboy was it Jim? Jim Meatloaf uh, says that he worked on the lyrics. Yeah, but well, and the writer he wanted it to be called like 
Jim Stein and Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Or Jim Stein and Presents Meatloaf. Yeah, either of those. Uh, That actually sounds like the more uh, musical version of this, which is probably what it should have been. Dude, have you you ever heard, like, and of course you have, have you ever heard, like, Michael Bolton, I mean, you know, famous in the... If you pick up Michael Bolton record one of these days, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face, by the (laughs) way. No, 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 no. (laughs) Things just got real. I drew the line a long time ago. I might pick a Michael Bolton single, but I wouldn't pick a record. I can can live with that. But but Michael Bolton, I remember, like, reading somebody years and years ago talk about how uh, when white people want to turn on the pathos, they just sing louder. That's what Meatloaf did. There's no range. There's no subtlety. There's no thinking about what he's singing. He's singing as powerfully and schlockily. He sounds like he's trying to reach the cheap seats, uh, you know, in the back of the room, which yeah, is what they tell you but, in theater class. But in a cheap way. He, d- he there's is no- a theater actor. I mean, that's, but, that's, but, that's but, it. But, but he's a bad theater actor. There, There's no variation in emotion. There's no variation in... It's just, I'm just, God bless him. I think, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm just so happy for him that he sold that many. I mean, I don't begrudge him selling that many millions of records. I really don't. But my goodness, he's a horrible musician. So lo- let me ask you this. So if this is so if this is you, which fortunately for all of us it's not, but if this is you and this is your legacy, like, what do you do? To, like, is there something that you would do to try and change pace or redeem your legacy? Or do you even feel like you need to because there's so many knuckleheads that think this dude, is a I great record? Dude, I think he record. just has shitty taste. He has yeah. shitty yeah. taste. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Like, he probably thinks it's good. And yeah. there are plenty of people that agree with him. He sure. Ha- he has a powerful voice. He's had a... Um, He's had a he's had a lot of longevity in his career. Um, he's beaten the odds, and anytime somebody like that beats the odds for whatever reason, or turns the corner, or, or makes a bet that's contrary to to what they think that everybody else thinks, and they win that bet in their mind, there is nothing you're not ever going to be able to tame that ego in any way. Yeah, and Ryan, I mean, you 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 make a comment that I mean, I can't remember your exact words, but. But the the gist of it just being that you know you don't want Meatloaf to make any more music or anything like that. I don't I don't really care if the guy does. I've gone I just don't want to. I've hear gone forty four years of my life without listening to Meatloaf until this week, and you know I, I'm not going to say that I'm glad that I had to listen to this album this week. But your fucking pick, asshole. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm glad that I don't have to again. It's my choice, and there are people out there that like this stuff. You know, more power yeah, to I him. If I never hear another note uh, from a Meatloaf record, it's been too soon. I I found it fascinating that I had never heard any of the songs of this record. I mean, and you too. I mean, we're I, both no, out. I had. I Actually, had. I, can, can I say one one other thing that's been rattling around in my skull, which is that like, so it gets it gets it gets uh, exchanged in terms of large S with Fleetwood Mac rumors because they they but did they were things sold that a were, lot. that were similar in terms of. Sales, like sales, and like how not in it? terms of quality. No, in terms but that's of quality. You and I, like, we all totally agree on that. Which is to say that, like, you know, you, you we can listen to, we listen to rumors, and we rumors have we, we've an amazing record. It's an amazing well, record that record. holds up years later with a lot of staying power. And this secret trick that fooled a lot of people. But that's how? Right. But again, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you and to interrupt you, but right. Ryan was saying earlier, like he and you were saying it too, like 
you couldn't figure out if it were a joke or if it were real. There's no way that that many people over that period of time would, because we're talking about multiple generations at this point. Yeah. Um, we were getting into like, you know, over, we're, we're getting almost into 40 years now with this record. So multiple generations, that many people can't be that fooled that long. Number one, number two, that many people can't even be fooled for that course of one song. Well, people have driven to the record store to go find this from a bin, pick it up, take it to the counter and pay for it and then put it on whatever their uh, chosen playback device is. And we're happy about it. No, dude, but, and but, 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 but. Like, over and over. Like, many people have done this. No, but that, having said that, how have I wandered through this life being a musical listener and having uh, co- heard my copious, copious amounts of, of classic rock and never once heard one of the songs on this record in my memory? Well, uh, okay. uh, I, I think, I think that people. are too long I, for radio. No, 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 no. Which no. Is, thank God for that. No, no, I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about when I was younger. I think part of it is I think a lot of people bought this record because they thought the album cover was really fucking cool, and they shoved it in their album collection and never played it again. Um, I think there was buyer's remorse. It never was played on the radio, by the way, because the songs are too goddamn long. I did see the uh, the video for um, what's the duet thing with the, the chick? Um Paradise, 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 Paradise. Yeah, I did earlier. see that video with with the aforementioned uh, sweaty tuxedo. Um, yeah, in the early '80s, MTV would play it, and I was pretty bad. It wasn't. By I would do anything as like a ten-year-old. And that actually, the yeah. video that isn't the the woman that sang the song in the video. She's actually lip-syncing to Ellen Foley's vocals. I did not know that. Yeah. The original Marky Post. <laughs> Ellen Foley. Hey, can, yes. can, can we can we listen to one more little little snippet and then snippet? Yeah, I think you yeah. just coined a term. Snippet. <laughs> I just I really feel new strongly about this. And, and I feel very strongly <laughs> about this snippet. <laughs> new yeah. snippets. I feel so strongly about this record, but I really feel negatively <laughs> about it. Okay, right. Strongly <laughs> negative. Strong, I guess. Yeah, um, but I. I First prize for shittiest song on this record is all revved up and no place to go. Which, by the way, again, <laughs> this guy thinks okay, subtle sexual reference. No, well, there's that subtle. too. But also, he he's trying to like what, what did Todd Rundgren say? Like he creates or his manager say he creates these great titles, and then tries to fill up the title. Tries to create a song as great as the titles. No, see, country music has punny titles that are actually interesting and intriguing. All you're doing is like looking at like a calendar on a mechanic's wall that has like a goofy like caption at the bottom, like all revved up, no place to go. Yuck, yuck. Hang you in know, there. Hang in there. You know, the, 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 like yes, you you've got a Garfield calendar and you're you're stealing the captions and thinking that those are brilliant. Um, but all revved up and no place to go. It wins first. The shittiest album. That I have heard in a long, long time. Shittiest song on the shittiest the album. The shittiest song on the shittiest <laughs> album is all revved up and no place to go. And we have got to drop a clip of that in there. All right. So and then never ever and ever never and then we'll put again. it in the vault and never listen <laughs> to it again. Did you want to quote your favorite lyrics from the song? Oh well, we'll, yes. We'll, let's, why don't we get to that on the other side? That's that's so, a great idea. Right now we'll we'll play just a clip for uh, from uh, all revved up.
with no place to go. Brace yourself. You and me, round about midnight. Someone's got to draw first blood. Ooh, I got to draw first blood. Yes, yeah, describing, um, quote, describes the beginning of a relationship and also the taking of the girl's virginity. Ooh, I got to draw first blood. Wow. Mark, uh, why don't you read us some more lyrics from that? Because it, it's I'm a fucking... There's, there's just zinger after zinger. I'm having trouble with the subtle nuance of this record. Like I feel, uh, I feel as if the subtext. Yeah. The, the, Why yeah. hasn't it's someone a, written a companion volume? Like written. A, I mean, like there's no bad out of hell for dummies because it's all for dummies. Anyway, Cliff's notes. Uh, no, I don't have any other words here. Oh, I thought you had a little bit more. Um, I've got some from uh, some of the other songs here. Well, uh, go ahead. They're equally uh, as brilliant. Well, I, I just wanted to note that, um, you know, Shane always likes to, to poke fun at me because I always bring up my buddy that I give rides to. And sure enough, I made him listen to this record. Oh, wait. His, his no, wait, can, can, wait, 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 wait. We haven't, we haven't talked about that here. guy for a while. Yeah. So Ryan works in the service industry, and he's got a coworker that doesn't have a car. He does not have a car. And, and every week for a few weeks, he would talk about – how he's like, well, I gotta listen to this album, so you you're stuck with it, and um, well, sometimes it's a good thing. No, 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 but you know what it reminds me of is it is he reminds me of the faceless neighbor on um, Home Improvement, like the guy, oh, like with, the guy over the fence, yeah, like that yeah. would just give that yeah, would just give sage advice. The, he's the snuffle up against the podcast, right? He would he would just <laughs> give Wilson, sage advice, really, yeah. Mr. Wilson. Yeah, Wilson yeah so this is what this guy does. Well, uh, I, I pointed out to to Peter, my buddy, Peter, um, Mr. Peter. Yes, um, that this song sounds to me like just like an uh, the intro to an '80s sitcom. It like, totally does. It know, totally like, does. Yeah, it's like it's that sax solo. It's yeah, it's just like bosom buddies or whatever. Anyway, um, and then like a spinning logo that comes in and tells you like what the name of the show is. Yeah, yeah. and then like <laughs> Comic Sans font or some shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> boing boing, boing. <laughs> like just. Just wacky, like not in it. But um, later, with a very special, a message. very special episode, of <laughs> <laughs> all revved up with no place, <laughs> no to, no go. place and to go. I say this with no hyperbole whatsoever. My two dads. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Shady. Sorry, wasn't the. Never mind. <laughs> no, we'll get into that. We don't have a bad TV show podcast yet, Ryan. Um, yet, yet. That's the operative word. Uh, this song. In a litany of horrible, 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 horrible pop songs that I've heard from the 70s, I can't think of one that's worse than this. Literally, this is the give me the heebie-jeebies and nightmares shit kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm stumped, actually. It's so bad. I mean, well, the upside is 
It's over. It's like it's like our our national nightmare has ended. We can, no, but but here's the <laughs> fun. Yeah, like Nixon's been pardoned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like he's off the stage. Um, we're but just here's trying the to recover. Here's the funny thing about this record to me, and, and and you say it's over, but I I hate listening to this album. I didn't skip a second. I hated it so much. It was like, it was like an endurance test. It was like it was an endurance test, but it was like also like watching a horrible movie. It's like you know that I do this sometimes. I force myself to watch Bill O'Reilly as long as I can. Mm-hmm. That kind of I've a, done that. Yeah. yeah, you see how long you can take it. Yeah, right. That's how I couldn't tear my eyes away. Figurative eyes from Bad Out of Hell. You know the the only time I've smoked weed in the last like four years. So just, you know, Shane and I are like this. Would it just doesn't really agree with us. Um, but I hadn't in years, and so I I borrowed a little bit, and I promise I'm bringing this back around to what we're talking about. Um, but I got high. You know, I didn't have anything to do that day, nothing the next day. So I was like, we'll just we'll just see what happens. And I ended up watching this really terrible Lindsay Lohan movie that you've never heard of. Are there and good I, ones? What's it? Uh, no, she was in uh, Mean, mean Girls. Mean Girls was good. Yeah, it was yeah. a good movie. That's um, the one everybody brings up, yeah, trots out. But anyhow, like I watched the whole thing, and it was just because I was stoned. Um, and I imagine if I'd been high, it would have been easier to take this uh, this record. Um, but it, it kind of it's sort of analogous to that because I watched that whole that whole movie was a fucking piece of shit, and I watched the whole thing from start to finish. And you knew it was a piece of shit well, yeah, the whole time but you were watching. I was like, well, I'm invested at this point. We'll just see what <laughs> <laughs> anything redeeming no, I, comes I, of it. I can't imagine <laughs> that even Pot would have made me enjoy this album or even endure this album even better than I did. Well, Mark, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for the pox-covered blankets. <laughs> we're warmer, but we're dying. Don't be surprised if Shane is out sick again next week. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about next week. Um, so that for those of you who Kevin uh, may have a life event. Yeah. So um, so we're. I am. Uh, my wife is very close to uh, dropping her new release. Having a having another kid. So. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I don't know. We're just going week to week on these, and so I'm not really necessarily sure that I'll be here for next week. But if I am, the record choice is mine. I don't have it yet, but I'll I'll come up with it in the next day or so. And so next week will be a surprise. It will not be I, whatever I choose. It will not. It's not we bad hell we, too. We're not going to have to suffer like we suffered this week. So, uh, so that's coming. Uh, Shane, welcome back. I'm glad you're alive. Glad to be alive. Yeah, glad you're a lot glad less flimmy than I expected. What's that? You're a lot less flimmy than I expected. Yeah. Well, flimmy wasn't he a character on All Revved Up with me was a, yes. in the eighties? He's one of the studios. He was the drifter. <laughs> he was the wacky next door neighbor. I think, That's actually. right. Well, I would really like to thank all you guys for having me come in and uh, it's like it's like you're like a little boy sometimes when you play with your <laughs> he's got his new toy <laughs> like, <know. it's> a, <laughs> like the a, grin on your it's face a shitty gag um yeah mark thanks for thanks for joining us and um and well, so mark's gonna is, be joining us a lot though well, yeah when kevin goes on hibernation for a few weeks right mark yeah i hope so uh, i hope to step in and and fill whatever parts of kevin's shoes that i can sure yeah so mark will be saying uh Things about uh, he'll be saying <laughs> who's coming out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right now no, he didn't do that this this show actually. So <laughs> right now Mark is playing the voice of the reasonable person, but 
hopefully Ryan Give it a couple and I, of weeks. Ryan and I will so infuriate him within two or three oh, weeks. Oh, we'll break that, him. Yeah, we'll break him. Yeah. No, Mark, Mark right now is the get-off-my-long guy, but uh, given a, a couple of weeks, uh, certainly, like, there's no way to, like, to gently go through this record. So I think this is a good start. Um, excited to do next week's and, uh, and either I will be with us next week or Mark, Mark, you're certainly welcome to keep joining us for as long as you like. And then, uh, or Mark will be in, in my place. And, uh, this is somebody likes it. I'm Kevin Newsom. I'm Ryan Newsom. I'm Shane Bartow. And I'm Mark Kuvion. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>